Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday the 20th of June. Today I am joined by Christina Anastasiou, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hey there, Christina, how are you doing today? Good morning, Peter, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, just to say to listeners... Um, I don't know what the sound is going to be like today. I'm trying out a new, new set of headphones because my last headphones are falling apart um, from the sheer use on this on this podcast. So um, hopefully uh, the sound is, is good. I mean, I tested it earlier. It seems all right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, funnily enough, I, I tested it with Christina earlier and I said that your voice sounded quite loud. But then I just listened back to it and thought, wow, my voice sounds really actually much louder. So I do apologize. We'll try and get it right. And <laughs> anyway, so um, with that with that said, um, which story did you pick out from today's Watson's Daily, Christina? Well, this has been an amazing story. This, of course, is the Airbus Never Before Super Deal yeah. um, that it was uh, produced today. Um, so to get into the details, Airbus has secured the biggest aircraft order in the history of civil aviation after yeah. a multi-billion dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Sell, um, 500 A320 planes to Indigo, an mm-hmm. Indian um, airline. Mm-hmm. Off-the-shelf price is 50 billion US, US dollars with possible discounts. But as you can also agree, it's still the most impressive move we have ever seen in this industry. Mm-hmm. This is quite vocal in the sense that it surpasses, it surpasses Indigo's rival Air India, which um, had, they had placed back in February in order of 470 aircrafts. Mm. Uh, this still, we, have not, uh, we don't have any financial details. Uh, this was announced in the Paris Air Show. However, mm. this move speaks volumes for the impact that this still will have in the Indian av- aviation market. And uh, the ambitions of Indigo regarding elevating the Indian aviation market to new competition levels on the global market stage. Mm-hmm. Um, this order will be delivered between 2030 and 2035. However, it's quite impressive to note that the airline has not yet made its engine choice. Mm. Uh, it's worth noting as well that Indigo currently holds um, the it's a it's a homegrown airline and owns over half of the domestic market share at 56.8% as recorded last March. And this confidence in the increase of the of the civil aviation market is also shown by Airbus's announcement confirming that Saudi airline Flyness also has entered into a deal for the purchase of 30 aircraft, including Qantas. Hmm. I, how would you feel about this, this new announcement? Peter? Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is a, clearly a, a, a massive deal um, in all senses of the word. Um, I think that it seems to me that the whole industry has been staging a dramatic recovery from the disaster um, that was the that was lockdown because obviously no one went anywhere. Um, but it seems that over the last year or so, we've been seeing um, recovery and lots of airlines, uh, inc- and most recently we've seen very strong figures from. Uh, the likes of uh, Ryanair, uh, EasyJet. Uh, I mean, Wizz Air was less good, um, but that was because they're putting, you know, they're they're investing a lot. But um, but even so, it's been really an impressive uh, bounce back um, from 
disaster, you know, the disaster when no one was allowed to go anywhere. That has translated into big orders for um, Airbus and for uh, for Boeing. Um, we've seen new airlines. There was a new, uh, you know, um, I think Air India was ordering more. I think um, there was a new airline in Saudi Arabia. It was Air, I think it's called Air Riyadh. Um, they they put in orders and things as well. Um, I I guess that uh, when the uh, Ukraine war ends, there might be potentially more orders. I would suggest from aircraft leasing companies mm-hmm. because. Um, they may find that they don't want to fly the planes that have stayed in Russia and not been maintained. You know, they might think it's better to actually just buy a whole load of new ones. Um, So, again, that's quite interesting. The other thing worth noting as well, or another thing worth noting, is that these are big orders. They will come with big discounts. But also there is there is uh, there is always a kind of a clawback in case the number needs to come down. I mean, usually they don't increase. It's usually decreasing the numbers. <coughs> but, but, I, but I think that, you know, they, we are living in some you know, very some great times um, for, for these um, for these companies. So, you know, we were saying recently about how. Uh, China recently had its very first, the launch of its first um, passenger airliner, and saying, "Oh, that, this is this is going to um, be longer term uh, negative for uh, for Airbus and Boeing." Um, I don't think at the moment it's it's really going to make much difference, uh, at least for the next few years. But yeah, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on on this as well? Um... First and foremost, uh, as we know, this also imposes an environmental um, concern. Uh, however, the fact that the choice of engine has not been made yet shows some kind of positive outlook that maybe this will be some way uh, a way for Airbus to introduce uh, their new kind of more tech, advanced new models, and mm. also puts pressure on their competitor Boeing to again move towards that more green and and sustainable mm. um, creating uh, those kind of uh, models. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, on the point regarding this kind of hype in the market, Barclays uh-huh. in their recent June report noted that Indian carriers have now the, have the second largest order book with six percent share of the industry, behind only uh, the U.S. United States, which uh-huh. another rise in the tensions between the East and the West that uh, we have to account. And um, however, it's worth noting that post-pandemic, Airbus had faced issues regarding rebuilding production and. Uh-huh. Had, put, had to push back uh, mid-decades targets. However, yeah. they, have, they have made it um, very clear that they're confident the supply and disruption is quite short-term and it, compared to what they expect from delivery schedules next decade. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. However, it's worth noting that this rapid growth uh, during a cost-of-living crisis with the inflation that has been monitored across the world, that it doesn't seem to go away, uh, mm-hmm. The travel industry piling up orders with Airbus and Boeing, as they as it seems that they believe their future seems to predict strong revenues. However, we I don't think personally it will all last forever. It's naturally, um, but some analysts have expressed concern that airlines could be overordering jets in pursuit of the same passengers. Mm. Um, however, this still does increase competition to satisfy these orders for both Boeing and Airbus and the new Chinese um, industry perfecting their models. 
It also mm. creates and inspires other smaller markets in Asia to expand and create more growth in the aviation, mm. the civil aviation. Mm. However, again, coming back to the point on growth against the situation of the cost of living crisis, interest rates and rate of inflation will affect passengers, which consequentially will affect this growth in the aviation industry and the plane makers. Given that holidays are a luxury in reality and people will prioritize their necessities, such as coming back on, uh, uh, such as cutting back on their cost and uh, focusing maybe on their mortgages, let's say. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a very good point. Uh, and, and um, you know, I, I, I really do think that this, uh, well, I mean, I, I guess we can bring this into the, the, uh, the, the, the story I was uh, going to be taught or I'm going to be talking about today, which is. Um, the fact that mortgages, um, the two-year average UK mortgage rate has gone above 6%. Um, and that means that, well, depending on who, which re- news report you read, anything between 1.4 households and 2 million, uh, 1.4 million and 2 million households, you know, when um, their uh, mortgage deals are going to be coming up for renewal, um, they're going to have a nasty shock um, because we are, you know, looking at above 6%. <coughs> so, I mean, that, I mean, that's going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, you know, that is kind of a mortgage time bomb. And again, as it, depending on what, which, you know, what you read and what figures they're talking about, it looks like, you know, on average, um, the expenses are going to be something in the region of anything between three and a half and seven and a half thousand pounds extra per household per year. And to me, that would signify that's going to be a holiday or a couple of holidays or whatever for, for a family for, for sure. Um, and so although going back to your story, although the, the demand is really good at the moment um, for, uh, you know, for for um, holidays, and you see that their order book is is doing really well. Um, I am concerned about next year. So this year looks good, right? Um, but next year, I think may be difficult um, because I wonder whether this is going to hit household finances after lockdown. Maybe people were thinking, right? We really want to go on holiday. We want to go somewhere else, but if they've got this out of their system, they may rein think. I think there's a big chance they could try to rein things in next year. So if that's the case, then all the euphoria that we're seeing around all the airlines and things may start to calm down. So I think, like I say, this year looks good. Next year, not so sure because because of this raise in, in the mortgage rates. Um, but uh yeah but then the other thing the other point i really needed to make about this um mortgages thing is that um it seems that uh, the lib dem leader sir ed davy he actually called for a three billion pound mortgage protection fund to help people um avoid getting their houses repossessed but although this sounds like a nice idea in theory uh, and I suppose you could say, well, look, look, you know, when usually the government says, oh, we don't have any money, we don't have any money. But then COVID happened and suddenly government had loads of money that they were just dishing out. Yeah. Um, you know, why can't you do the same for homeowners? Well, 
there's there's a few reasons. One is that um, what you would be doing by giving homeowners um, money from a protection fund is you'd be effectively asking um, less affluent non-homeowners to subsidise more affluent homeowners. Now, that wouldn't be directly, it'd be indirectly, because this £3 billion, um, if it goes to the Mortgage Protection Fund, it's got to come from somewhere. So that's £3 billion that can't be allocated to less affluent people. Mm-hmm. So effectively, the less affluent will be subsidising the more affluent. Um, another thing as well is if you did have that protection fund in place, it means that people would have, say, the same amount of money in their pocket as they do now, and therefore they just spend the same. And if they spend the same, inflation is going to continue to go up. And if inflation continues to go up, so do mortgage rates. And if mortgage rates go up, you're going to need a bigger, you know, you're going to need a bigger fund. And it just, it will go in like a, a never-ending cycle. Okay. So, so yeah, it's very difficult. But what, what do you think? Well, again, it's coming back to the point that um, that ongoing spending will my support my article regarding taking that holiday again and again. But mm. again, it's the end, non-ending cycle of mortgages. Mm. Um, it's um, so even even considering the the sector of uh, buying to let, for example, mm-hmm. uh, as I've mentioned, if you're a tenant and you're hoping to rent a place. Um, you will see your landlord increasing, or we already have seen landlords increasing uh, their, um, the, the rate of the rent. You automatically will ask for an increase in your pay in your pay as a pay rise. So again, mm. more fluctuation of cash into the market. The the, the 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 circle keeps going on and on and on and on. Um, it's just non-ending. And the point we've made, um, and I wanted to see your how your view on how the mortgage will also impact rather than how hybrid working has impacted the mortgage and whether there is a, a positive outlook looking in from that side of people working from home while mm. uh, relocate and find the best option for them. Mm. I mean, I think, that, you know, what we've learned over, over the last few years is that working from home is not only possible, but, you know, in many cases it's preferable and people can be um, arguably at least as um, uh, productive at home as they can in the office, although there are things you miss out by not being in the office. However, um, over that over that time, I think you've had people um, more, have more freedom to buy properties that are not right next to where they work, um, and they've they've had they've been able to buy bigger properties as results, uh, and that means that the there's been a bit less. Um, of the usual concentration of um, house prices in London, for instance. Although, I mean, that's always going to be there, but it was perhaps less than it than it has been. Um, I think that, uh, uh, yeah, that that has been that has been good. That's led people to do that. But then we are now seeing more people coming back to work and back into the office. So. I, I don't know. I don't know whether there's going to be another migration again where people are going to come back. But the problem is, is if you're, let's say you've worked, let's say you worked in London, you moved away during lockdown because you thought, well, I'm I'm going to be working from the office maybe 
only twice a week so i can i can that's doable with a long commute um and i can have the best of both worlds but it, uh, and, and they've done that but then since then they've been asked can you do three days can you do four days maybe people saying can you do five days in the office in which case they might you know there might be well previously there was an exodus mm-hmm. of people going to the suburbs maybe we we've already started seeing people coming back um to to the to the towns and cities yeah so i don't know i mean there and and if that happens there may be an effect on the market um but yeah it's it's very difficult there are so many different there are so many different um things at play here so i mean there's that there's the potential there might be um a whole load of forced sellers coming onto the market because um when they come up for remortgage they can't afford the, the repayments you know there's lot there's lots of things that that are all happening at the same time which i think muddy the waters a bit for what's going to happen with the um residential property market but i think whatever happens it seems that um uh renters seem to be they will lose out because of the fact that there are uh, you know a lot of the private landlords and stuff are, are leaving the market which means that the stock of property available for renters is going down which means that rents are going up. Precisely. However, on the Watson Daily, of course, uh, listeners would like to know about the plus side of inflation if food prices finally goes off the boil. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a good thing, um, for sure. Um, but it's, only, it's, one, it's one good thing out of some quite <laughs> difficult ones. So I think that... Um, you know this this mortgage you know cliff edge is 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 pretty serious and could have a, a big effect like i say you know that kind of hole in your that size of hole of a few grand in your annual household finances is a big hole um and that's got to the money's got to come from somewhere because i mean you yes of course you could borrow it or you could put it on credit cards but interest rates as they are at the moment that's not a very attractive option so, you know, the only real option may be to just rein it in and just get your head down and, and try to do as much as you can to reduce outgoings. So I think that's what might happen. Yeah. And this is currently the biggest uh, uh, thing on the PM's agenda. This, I think, mm. drive the whole agenda of the um, Conservative Party's uh, mm. next elections to come. This is one of the priorities. If... Um, uh, Rishi Shunak manages to kind of uh, take over and beat this issue with mortgages and find a solution. I think that will definitely secure for years to come um, its dominance in the in the houses. Yeah, could do, but again, a lot can happen, you know. And and there's a time, a lot of time between now and the next general election. And if we get a new government in, they could take a completely different course yeah, as well exactly. so yeah. so it's very yeah it's it's very it is very tricky at the moment um but uh but anyway i think we're all gonna just have to do do our best and and try and get through it all uh however we can but uh anyway on that sort of slightly uh downbeat note um i i think we'll we'll have to end here um but anyway thank you very much indeed uh christina for your insight today happy to be here today no problem and uh thank you very much for listeners for listening thank you for being with us um 
and, and I hope your ears aren't bleeding through the sounds if I, my voice is too loud. Uh, but anyway, have a great day, whatever you're up to, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Many thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.